0: This is the Passive Wealth Strategy Show, the show that will help you escape the Wall Street casino and build wealth on Main Street by investing in real estate. This is the show for high-earning busy professionals where we will teach you how to build wealth with real estate without buying yourself another job. I'm your host, Taylor Lote, and today our guest is Maria Zondervan. Maria is a former busy professional who has created some pretty significant wealth and abundance for her and her family and has now dedicated herself to helping others. She started a nonprofit focused on providing housing and independent living services for adults with autism. She was inspired to do so because she has a son who is an adult with autism and someone in her network compelled her to get started and take this passion project on, but it didn't come from nowhere. Maria began investing in real estate in 1996 she scaled slowly but one day decided to get out of her day job and really focus on her real estate investing creating that wealth and abundance has enabled her to give back to others and today we're digging into what inspired her to really focus around giving back how she created that wealth and abundance through real estate investing and through franchise ownership which we also discuss today how she actually started making more money right away by leaving her job through some pretty significant tax savings. We'll talk about how she did that and so much more. A lot of folks want to build wealth to support a cause they care about, and Maria is a great example who is doing big things to help others. Today, we're digging into how she does it and how she got started building wealth and building passive income. Great, very inspiring story. Once again, I'm your host, Taylor Lotes. I'm a real estate investor, and I focus on multifamily and self-storage investing. To date, I've acquired, partnered on, or otherwise had a hand in over $250 million of commercial real estate acquisitions. If you'd like to learn more about potentially partnering with us on a future deal, just go to investwithtaylor.com and schedule a call. We'll look forward to speaking with you soon. Don't forget to subscribe and catch us here every weekday. Right now, once again, our guest is Maria Zondervan. Let's go. Maria, thanks so much for joining us today. I'm excited to go through your journey of escaping being a wildlife biologist and getting into the full-time investing space. Can you tell us a bit about what you're up to today, and then we'll rewind the clock and learn about your journey?
1: Sure, sure. Yeah, today it's all about syndications, helping people grow their wealth through passive investing, you know, that's that's the big goal right now. And um, and and spending some time really growing my nonprofit, Valhalla Villas, to provide housing for autistic individuals.
0: What what inspired you to do that? Because that's an interesting part of your story.
1: Um, my son inspired me. He's he's kind of the reason I got into the whole real estate world really. So I have a, a son, his name is Carl, who has autism. I have another son too, Alex, who's also an inspiration, but in other ways. Um, But, yeah, you know, just worrying about his future, making sure I have enough time to really build up my wealth and um, to take care of him later on, right? Um, Because he may or may not be able to to do that for himself. So I want to make sure he's set up. And then along that path, you know, I know so many parents who worry about the same thing so i started letting those folks invest in the things i was investing in like they didn't know how to analyze the properties and all that kind of stuff so i said well invest alongside me and then uh, that kind of just grew and became a thing and then they're like well then all the kids were growing up and they're trying to get out of the house and they're longing for that independence but they're just kind of they can't quite live on their own totally so they need some services and such so i'm like well i know housing (laughs) So and I know autism, let's put those two together. So that's kind of how all that progressed. It wasn't a well thought out plan, it just kind of happened.
0: So I think a lot of folks struggle or or hit a wall when trying to combine their purpose with their passion or with, you know, how they make money. How can they put those two together to further their passion and a, and a cause that they care about, not to make money on it necessarily, but to you know, support a cause that they're they're passionate about. So, how did you arrive at? I'm going to start a a nonprofit. I mean, you were a real estate investor, but yeah, you know, it's a pretty big uh, move to make to start a mon- nonprofit centered around housing people with autism.
1: Yeah, honestly, I thought it was going to be a lot easier than it was. To be completely honest, it is not easy to get that off the ground and get that going. But um, now that I've done it, I'm really really glad that I did. But uh, like I said, it wasn't really on purpose so much as I just saw a need. And I'm one of those people that just always follows my passion. My passion was just calling me in that direction. I was at a mastermind event. <clears throat> it was a real estate mastermind event. And we are talking about the various things we do and the various things in our lives. And this one guy who was, his name is Jacob. Jacob, if you're listening, hi. Um, he starts looking at me. He goes, do you realize you light up every time you talk about autism and what you could potentially do there and your thoughts on that he goes just go do it already <laughs> and so that was kind of the final push i needed sometimes it's good to surround yourself with those people that push you in the right direction that uh, maybe your heart knows you should be going and and your intellectual self just hasn't quite caught up to yet
0: what did you do after that to you know continue down the path of realizing the the dream and the vision
1: yeah, I just started researching how does one start a nonprofit, um, and of course, this happened during COVID. So, and it turns out everybody and their mother was starting a nonprofit during COVID. So it was very slow to get the, get through the process, especially with the IRS getting your 503C, all that, all those kind of paperwork, putting together a board, figuring out who would be good advocates for this. You know, we wanted a good mix of people who understood. The needs of people on the autism spectrum, but also people who understood real estate and services and affordable housing, because it's important that's affordable since their income may be limited, but it has to be nice and safe. And anyway, so um, worked hard to put together the perfect board for that, um, including someone who was a founder of uh, the nonprofit uh, special needs um, autism school that my son went to. Um, because they had already kind of done this, right? They they got frustrated with the system that wasn't providing for these kids. And so they'd said, screw it, we'll start our own, right? So they went out and they started a school from scratch. So I was like, Well, dang, if they can do that, you know, got got the right people, which is important in anything. In real estate, especially we know surrounding yourself with the right people and getting the right people on your team is is critical. But that's true for everything in life.
0: Nice. So is that what inspired you to really dedicate yourself to real estate investing in the first place and step away from your day job. Let's rewind the clock and learn about you know what really took you away from the job and how you got away from it.
1: Sure, sure. Um, and I won't say I escaped because I actually still do a lot of wildlife stuff because I just love it. Well, Again, it, it's part of the passion. The only difference is I don't get paid for it now. I just volunteer and do it. <laughs> So, I'm still out there in the woods uh, doing the stuff, but um, not to the same degree, obviously. But yes, I spent 26 years as a wildlife biologist in the state of Florida, chasing alligators, counting eagles, um, you know, everything that's crawled, slithered, flew, swam in Florida. Basically, I worked with Wink Ally critters here and uh, did a lot of burning, prescribed fire, as well as wildland firefighting. You know, that's all part of land managing in florida so um i actually really enjoyed it you never knew what the day was going to bring it was different every single day but um two things kind of collided um getting a little older and the florida summers are getting hotter (laughs) and so it started getting just harder to keep up with with that kind of field work it's very intensive very physically draining and um kids growing up, not having as much time with them as I wanted to. So I wanted to have more flexible hours before they were up and out of the house. And then the concern for my son and um, if he was going to be able to be self-sufficient at some point point, needing to build a nest egg for him. And uh, believe it or not, a state wildlife biologist does not make a fortune. I know that's a shocker, right? So um, so yeah, needed needed to improve the income. And real estate was just a natural step because I'd actually been investing in real estate since 1996. I totally just aged myself there. But um, I actually bought my first investment property before I left college. So I'd seen one of those infomercials at night about real estate. I'm like, can you really do that? You can buy stuff with no money down and rent stuff out and make money, like... Seemed too good to be true, but I decided to give it a try, and, uh, and I did. So I'd been doing it on a smaller scale all along. Um, that real estate income and the real estate holdings I had built up, allowed me and my husband to buy a, a business. We, we decided to buy a franchise, Massage Envy franchise, and that did really well. And then we got a second one, and, and the one thing we discovered about real estate is when you have a portfolio with real estate, the banks love to lend you money. Because it's it's one of those fairly low-risk kinds of loans that banks can make. So you want to go start a business, having some real estate in your back pocket is a really good way to to get that do, done, right? And then the cash flow from that business can go back into real estate, and it's just a beautiful cycle.
0: Nice. So between the, the day job and the massage and the clinics, what did your day or week look like in terms of your, you know, hourly and daily commitments? Like how busy were you before you stepped away from the day job?
1: Yeah. So first of all, I did nothing with (laughs) massage.
0: That
1: was all my husband's deal. Um, You know, we had the brainchild together, but he took it and ran with it. And that's still his primary thing. He does help with property management on some of our our portfolios, but I'm the person who handles all the acquisitions and syndications, all that good stuff. Um, So the day-to-day job back then was getting up at 4.30 in the morning, being at work by 6 a.m., working 10-hour days, coming home exhausted, then looking at real estate deals. (laughs) It was pretty hectic, and um, yeah, so that was it, and catching up on chores on the weekend. So it's uh, definitely a lot more open now, trying to squeeze and travel where we could, because I love to travel, but now I get to do it as part of my job, which is wonderful.
0: Nice. So stepping away from the day job and dedicating yourself to real estate full-time, what did that process look like? We recently had a conversation with a business owner who decided to do just that. His wife took over the uh, the business. He stepped away to become a full-time real estate investor, got real estate professional status, everything like that. But getting that all lined up can be incredibly difficult and daunting. And it's a scary thing to do no matter what, even if you have a solid income coming in from the business. So what did that process look like for you?
1: Well, terrifying does describe it because you get really um, hooked on that paycheck that comes every two weeks, right? It's addictive to know that's coming and to have the benefits and uh, the health insurance. You know, that was a big cost to have to take on that the employer was covering. So it was terrifying. It was something I'd thought of for a long time, but it just kept nagging at me. You know, you want to do this. You need to make the leap. So it was about just have faith in yourself. You have the education. You have the knowledge. You've been doing it. Just um, free yourself up so you can go full time. And, and, you know, my husband had my back. He, the business was doing well. So that, that made it a little easier, but it was still going to be challenging to drop my entire income. But then I sat down and I did. You mentioned professional real estate um, status, right? As, as a real estate professional status, I should say. I stepped back and I looked at what we were paying in taxes on our business. You know, it's very cash-flowing, so that, that comes with a lot of taxes. And I thought, man, we get a lot of depreciation from our real estate. What if we could apply all of that to that active income? So what does that calculation look, at, uh, look like? And then also if I buy some more apartment complexes and stuff, you know, can we get rid of all those taxes? And basically we could. And those taxes equated to more than my salary. So I actually made money, in a way, simply by quitting my job, which makes no sense. But that's the way our tax code is written. I'm not saying that tax code is right, but I'm saying that's the way it's written.
0: So for the high earning married business owners out there, real estate professional status for one of the spouses can result in some pretty significant tax savings. But of course, talk to your CPA. So the first move that you made once you were out, what did that look like? Because, okay, I'm out. uh, Yeah, I'm saving all this money in taxes, but Need to make this a worthwhile move and scale the real estate business. So, what action did you take to start the scaling?
1: Yeah, I really scaled up my networking. I think that is step number one. If you're going to do well in this industry, you need to know all the players, the good ones, right? So, um, really, I joined more masterminds, I got involved with all my local real estate groups. Um, Just started attending a lot of stuff and um, getting a feel for what opportunities were out there. And, uh, you know, investing in yourself through your network and through your education, you can never go wrong with. So always perpetually educating myself and getting around the right people. Because they'll push you where you need to go, you know, or pull you up or or whatever you want to say. Just get in the room with the bigger players until you become that bigger player and then get in the next room with the next bigger one. You always want to be at the bottom of that uh, run, right? So someone's pulling you up.
0: What is the most you've paid to be in a room like that? Because some of them can be incredibly expensive.
1: I mean, the entrance fee just to get in, not counting your monthly fees, is often 10000 or more, right? So, yeah, done that a couple times over. Nice. So we'll just, we'll just leave at that. I haven't gone to any of the triple, you know. 100,000 hour levels or 50,000 hour levels yet, but that's probably coming in the future. And, and, you know, I know it's paid itself back many times over, so I wouldn't hesitate to do it again.
0: Getting out there, networking, making connections, finding people that will push you in the right direction, but there are so many directions in which we can be pushed and we can really only go one way at a time. So, how did you decide on your current path and, you know, focus so that you could? You know, continue to scale your business because there are so many options out there.
1: You're right. You're right. And you can really get lost chasing all the shiny objects. Um, and, and it's tempting all the time. You know, you're in these rooms where people are making money doing this and that. And and you're like, man, I want to try that. I want to try that. But it really helps to specialize in something. So whatever you choose, just, just stick to it. Um, sometimes you have to pivot a little bit when markets change or whatnot. But stick with things that you're good at. And I was just very good at multifamily analyzing those properties and knowing what's going to make money. I mean, I love the idea of RV parks and self-storage and so many of these other asset classes, but it would be a whole new learning experience for me to get really deep into them, right? Um, especially if it came to actually operating the properties. I could certainly evaluate a deal and look at the numbers, but, um, but multifamily is something I just really knew, and so I just decided to stick with that and um, pivot with the market. So I might shift to more affordable housing in some markets, class A properties in others. You know, it might shift in that grain, but that's, that's my wheelhouse. And so I'm sticking with it.
0: In scaling up a real estate business, I think there are generally two ways we can go when we need people on our team or in our team. Those two ways are we can join an existing team or we can build our own team. Which route did you go so that you had the right people around you to do those you know, first deals?
1: Yeah, I mean, I built my network, so I always had people I can reach out to with anything. But for the most part, I'm joining other teams that have good properties, good um, deal flow coming in, and I'm helping them. Um, and then when I need help, I reach back out to those same partners, right? So basically have loose partnerships for I'm not necessarily part of their LLC or they're part of mine, you know, if we're looking at structures in that way, but there are these loose partnerships that we just work together on a regular basis, right?
0: So how do you make sure that interests are aligned, the deals are, you know, going to work out the way that you hope and that everybody is reputable in those various teams? How do you, you know, vet all those people and make sure the deals make sense?
1: Right. Well, that comes back to spending a lot of time with them, right? I'm, I'm pretty good at reading people, but I also like to talk to other people that have done deals with them and see how they feel. That, that's one of the best things. It's just, a, And you don't want to necessarily ask them for recommendations of what they've done, but it's easy enough to find that. It's uh, the digital era. You can Google anybody and find out anything they've been involved in, right? So it's a pretty easy way to uh, look at what people have done talk to their previous investors talk to previous business partners google them on social media sometimes it's as simple as seeing what kind of things do they post right on on social media because if they're posting a lot of things that are negative a lot of negativity i know right away that's not a person i want to be around right um so i mean just just things like that and just things that are going to align with your values so sometimes something like that just helps but for me, it's um, making sure all of that aligns, but also just clicking with the person. If I'm going to be working with this person for years on years, I mean, when you enter a real estate deal with somebody, it's often a five to 10 year thing, right? It's like a marriage. So uh, you need to make sure that you click with that person on a personality level, as well as all the checking all the business boxes.
0: So a lot of great tips in there, especially getting to know someone over time and asking around about them both both uh really great have there been any times where not not to you know call anybody out or anything like that but a time where you asked around and you got negative feedback or on the opposite side of that you got really positive feedback about someone by going and asking you know Mike about Sally or vice versa
1: <laughs> uh yes both both yeah, there was one individual we considered doing a deal with and I kind of had mixed feelings and I usually trust my gut. And um, I asked around and I, I found out there are two two things in this past that made me very uneasy and I chose not to do any business with him. As it turns out, that particular deal did blow up and so I'm really, really glad that I didn't go there. Um, yes, and then there are other people that, you know, When other people start singing somebody's praise, like they walk on water, then you probably know, Okay, you know, unless they're related to that person, this is this probably someone you should really consider. So, yeah, I've definitely seen both.
0: So you do get real feedback that way. So before we move on to the three questions I ask every guest on the show, I'd like to circle back on being in the rooms and asking, you know, being around the right people, asking them questions, getting to know them. How did you find the right rooms to be in? Because it's great to know that, okay, I need to be in the right room, but where in the world do I find that right room for me? How did you approach that?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, I started just attending my local real estate um, meetings. Um, they're fairly inexpensive. Anyone can go to them. And then I have the, the blessing of being in Orlando where a lot of conferences come here. So a lot of real estate conferences here. Attend all of those and just start asking around. Where else do you go to scale? Who else are you associated with? What do you think of this group? You'll start hearing people talk about various um, groups and you, you want to get feedback from a lot of them. And then you contact whoever the sponsor of that group is and say, hey, can I um, test it out before I become a member? Because some of them want you to pay membership before you even know, it, know much about them. I'm like, can I attend one of your events? And see how it goes and then you feel what the vibe is and uh, are people here looking out for their own interest, or are they the kind that want to share and help you get to the next level and when you find that room and you f- you feel like yeah i'm instantly part of this group part of this family some of them do start to feel like a family because you're with the same people over and over again then you know you found the right
0: place right now we're going to take a quick break for our sponsor did you know that you can use your ira to invest in real estate Many real estate investors, myself included, use our self-directed retirement accounts to invest our retirement in real estate. You just need a custodian that allows you to self-direct your investments. That's why we've partnered with Rocket Dollar. Rocket RocketDollar is a technology-enabled, self-directed IRA and solo 401k provider that puts your retirement funds in your control. Our listeners can open a Rocket Dollar self-directed IRA for as little as $15 per month plus a one-time setup fee. Just go to passivewealthstrategy.com/rocket or click the link in the show notes. They have a fantastic knowledge base and a lot of guides to help you through the process and teach you all about how self-directed retirement account investing works. Once again, just go to passivewealthstrategy.com/rocket or click the link in the show notes. All right, Maria, I've got three questions I ask every guest on the show. Are you ready? Sure. First one, what is the best deal you've ever done?
1: The best deal, well, there's a lot of them that um, are still to be determined how they will end. So the best deal might change, but I I would say my best private deal was actually during the 2008 crazy um, real estate things when people were losing their butts, (laughs) I actually bought a single family house at that point, um, with absolutely no money out of my pocket. And, um, I think at last appraisal, it was over a half a million dollars and I've never had a tenant issue in it. It's in the perfect neighborhood and it just cash flows crazy well and knock on wood, never any major repairs or issues there. And I think that's the only property I can say that with it, it's just a small single family home. Um you know, I, I did really well on a the, on the little eight unit too. Um, so sometimes it's the smaller properties that give you the least headaches and, and produce unexpectedly high cash flow and, uh, you know, return on investment, something you have no money in is infinite.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. So, so we had the best deal. Now we go to the other side of that coin, the worst deal. What is the worst deal you've ever done?
1: Uh, That would be a 12-unit property I bought in a smaller town that was set to grow. and, And it is growing. But, you know, they say location, location, location. It doesn't matter what you do to the property. If the location's wrong, it's just plain wrong. And the location was wrong. So the city itself was good. All the matrix there checked the box. But the place within the city had some issues and I did not do enough homework it was during that time when deals were on the market for two three days and and going I really wanted to get in and uh, I jumped too fast I jumped too fast Um, these are all properties that I own myself I don't have any investors in with um, when I bring in investors I don't jump as fast so with my own money I'm a little more reckless should I say I don't (laughs) know if that's the right word but at least in the early days, I was. And, uh, and I regret that one. It's, uh, it's forever a headache. And um, I don't know. I, and I'm too stubborn to sell it. So that's the other thing. It's like I'm just bound and determined to turn this place around. <laughs> um, but you know, we've done everything we can do to beautify the property. But I cannot improve the whole neighborhood. And that's the problem. So the neighborhood matters. It matters. So lesson learned for sure.
0: That is true. The neighborhood definitely matters. You can't change the neighborhood. And even if the city or town is great, you still need to understand the block-by-block block reality of the property.
1: Absolutely, Yeah.
0: My yep. favorite question here at the end of the show is, what is the most important lesson you've learned in business and investing?
1: Um. Well, I mean, acquisitions and sales and all of that is important, but the biggest piece of the puzzle is your property management, because you're doing that the longest, right? The whole period is the longest. So getting the property management aspect right is the number one thing. So that's, that's probably the lesson I've learned the most. So having the wrong property manager can make the difference on, uh, whether you are making tons of money every month or losing tons of money every month and just what kind of headaches you have. Right? So really, really vet your property managers. And in that process, make sure that you are talking to the person that will actually be on your property. Um, if at all possible, because, um, that's another mistake I've made. I've made lots of mistakes. I could give you a whole long list, but, um, one of them was, you know, we met with someone from this property management company and he seemed really sharp and he understood the kind of property we were going to have and, uh, and, and the tenant base and all that kind of stuff. And he had us convinced he was the guy for the job. But it turns out he was not the guy who would actually be doing that job. He was basically the salesperson for the property management company, which I did know they had such things. Mm-hmm. So that was a lesson learned, too. And then the person that they then assigned to this property did not have that same skill set. And then we had to get out of a messy contract. And, and I guess that's the other lesson is when you realize it's bad, get out as quick as you can. You know, hire, hire slow, fire fast. Yeah, fire fast. When it's wrong, it's wrong
0: absolutely well thanks so much for joining us today and sharing Talkable. so much knowledge where can folks get in touch with you
1: uh bluevikingscapital.com has all my contact information all my social media stuff i've got free books that you can download there so hit me up on blue vikings within s
0: great well thanks once again for joining us today to everybody out there thank you for tuning in if you're enjoying the show please take a moment and leave us a rating and review on apple podcast five stars if you don't mind I appreciate that so, so much. That helps other people learn about the show because that helps us rank higher in the Apple Podcasts ecosystem. And I'm always honest with you guys. That gives me a nice little warm and fuzzy feeling because I get to see that you're engaging with the content and you're escaping the Wall Street casino along with us. Don't forget to subscribe and catch us here every weekday. Right now, I hope you have a great rest of your day and we'll talk to you on the next one.